Usually podcasting from Alexandria, Virginia, this episode was actually recorded in Boston, Massachusetts on the heels of the ISPE Annual Meeting and Expo. This is the Software Quality Today podcast presented by TX3 Services, where we empower life science companies to digitally transform their software testing. This is a podcast for industry professionals about the trends and challenges of software quality testing, computerized systems validation, and the people who are leading the way. We'll be providing you with interviews from special guests, as well as news from thought leaders at leading life sciences organizations and vendors alike. Normally, this is where I would turn the reins over to our usual host, Dory Gonzalez Azevedo. But in today's episode, I'm actually going to be interviewing Dory from the day after the ISPE annual meeting and expo ended, so she can provide some of her summary thoughts based on the event, some of the presentations we attended, discussions that we had with attendees and presenters, and just the general themes and topics we're seeing in the industry right now. Before we get into it, don't forget to please rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. But without further ado, here's our ISPE Annual Meeting and Expo wrap-up episode. Please enjoy. So we're in the lobby of uh, this Sheridan Boston Hotel after three days of ISPE Annual Meeting. Mm -hmm. It's the first big live conference center um, meeting for us. Yeah. I guess others have been doing it, but this was a first for us. We did a smaller one with Ken X, right? But this is the first, I mean, I feel like I haven't been to an actual convention hall right. in, I don't even know how long, to I be know. honest, but uh, it was good. I think the attendance was overall pretty good. Yeah. Um, certainly a lot of vendors. I think there's maybe one or two empty spots. Decent amount of foot traffic as far as attendees go. And I know a lot of the folks around us were saying their clients in the area still had policies that they could not go. So given that a lot of companies still have those policies, I think turnout was Pretty good. Yeah, the overall. ballroom was pretty full for the uh, the main events, um, which was nice to see, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then for the the breakout sessions, there was a fair amount of people in the room as well as a lot online. So I think attendance yeah. overall, I, I think they probably were pretty happy. And much of this stuff will be available on demand for ISP members or general public, yes. do we know? I think it's ISP members. Um, okay. I think they have, maybe they'll let it go, but I doubt it. I think it's going to be only for members. Now, before we get into too much of the event details, explain to the folks at home what ISPE actually is in case people aren't aware of sort of the history. Uh, All right. So ISPE, the International Society of Pharmaceutical Engineering, Mm -hmm. um, it's primarily really geared toward manufacturing, right? So um, which is a little different than maybe um, a lot of our listeners um, come to the table with. So this really kind of spans everything from you know, building manufacturing facility to how to do packaging, how to get your um, excipients into your drug materials and all the regulations around that. Um, it's one of the forefronts of, of and hallmarks of the pharmaceutical industry. Um, but CSV and um, GAMP, um, you know, kind of was a byproduct of a lot of that when 20 years ago when it was needed, um, when everything started going electronic or systematic. Um, and so GAMP was born out of that from an automation manufacturing principles sort of way. Um, and so that's kind of where uh, today it, it might not make a lot of residence for those that are in the business today versus when it was 20 years ago. Right. Now, as TX3, this was our first official sort of involvement with them, but what kind of history do you have with ISPE? So I've been a member um, 
since late 90s when the first Part 11 um, compliance came out. Um, I was part of a special interest group then. Um, I kind of got disconnected because we, we went off and did our own thing, Jason and I. Um, we kind of took it uh, a different path. And um, and so I've been in touch over the years, but um, more recently just coming back around as the uh, folks been taking on the CSA model and, and approach and bringing that to GAMP as well. What were your overall impressions of the event from a content, uh, content standpoint? Presentation. I know you sat in on a lot of the presentations. Yeah. Uh, a lot of them specific to kind of what the areas that were involved with, but maybe some that kind of were a little bit more tangentially involved. Yeah. Um, overall impressions, the good takeaways to start with that you uh, you found. Yeah. So, um, so when I think the the sessions that were specific to our area were were well attended, um, and they had some of the good concepts and the the new guidance on enabling innovation um, that Liz McClellan led that conversation on, um, I think was a very um, pointed, prescriptive message to folks that, you know, we're in this day and age where um, software development needs to lead the way and the best practices around software development is agile methodologies. And we need as an industry not to be afraid to to do that. Um, and so I think those were really clear messages from that group. And I know there was a, several involved in writing that guidance. Um, I think the guidance is well documented and, and prescriptive in, in a lot of ways. All right. Now, I know we've had a lot of conversations about maybe some of the more frustrating aspects of some of the content or topics or just general state of mind around some of yeah. this stuff, right? So so that brings us to the CSA topic, I think. Um, and I always love hearing Ken talk and, and bring the message to the room. Um, and I think this time around, it was more clear to me than ever before that um, there are key people missing from the room that are not hearing the message. Um, there was questions on the floor about, um, well, how do we take this out and, and move it into the actual organizations that we're working with? And I think that's a really valid question. I mm -hmm. think the CSA model um, is prescriptive and it does give it good examples, um, but it really... Um, as an industry, we lack the organizational change management overall to make an effective change. And so that's one of the things that I like to highlight when I talk about, right? Like it's really, it's the people process, the technology, but it's the culture that is the most important thing to transform. And if we don't transform that, nothing's going to change because I've been doing this for a long time now and it's the same message. But at the end of the day, it's the actual people that are doing the day-to-day -day that need help to to transform their business processes. So I think, I think it's obviously different for every organization, right? But I think a, a big problem that a lot of folks have, and correct me if you think I'm, I'm wrong in this, right? But there's a big human variable with all of this, mm -hmm. right? It's easy to take a look at the guidance and know what you should do yep. on paper, yep. right? But there's different personalities, there's different yep. levels of interest, there's different levels of enthusiasm to mm -hmm. actually have change, right? Because there's a lot of people that may see it and say, yeah, that's valid, maybe we should do that. Yeah. But maybe they just don't care. And it's a big undertaking. Yeah, and I, I don't think that they, it's not that they don't care. I think that um, most mid-managers really struggle with how to manage up and manage down. Mm -hmm. And... Um, from the high up, they're they're getting pressure from their 
their senior leadership to do things with less money, right? Mm-hmm. Do things faster. Um, and from the bottom up, they, they're, they're lacking the tools that they need in order to do that. Or like, you know, tell me to do this. And, and so there, there needs to be a balance of prescriptive approach versus the guidance on how to get there. And I think that's missing. Yeah. So that, that's a good point too. So what about, so let's say someone's not at a managerial level, right? Mm-hmm. Or a group of people are not mm-hmm. at a managerial level. They're in the IT side. Yep. They're very familiar with the technology, but they're also tasked with evaluating a lot of technology. Mm-hmm. Um, they know software development practices, good software quality practices. They understand all that, but they have a lot on their plate that they need to constantly stay enabled on, uh, that they need to stay on top of. And then you throw in the regulatory side of things, which maybe is not necessarily their wheelhouse. Maybe they right. came from other industries. Right. They don't feel as comfortable there. They don't have a manager that's willing to champion some of the changes that are needed internally. Yep. In a position like that, what should somebody do? Because they may feel on unsure footing going to compliance or quality right. and arguing points of what is compliance or what does that need to look like? Yeah. And they may get kind of shot down by somebody who feels very dug in on their legacy stance or mindset yep. around compliance because that's how they've been doing it. Yep. And then so they don't feel conf- you know confident to have the, the argument or the exchange to push the change. What do they do to find a champion or is it outside resources they could bring in? Yeah. What do they do? So that's a lot what we do, right? Mm-hmm. So the strategic assessments that we've been involved in the last year and a half, um, we're really brought in for, uh, frankly, for me to challenge their quality people. Right. For me to provide enough evidence, whether it's their current state of affairs um, and their lack of testing maturity or their their uh, laggardness in the adoption lifecycle to really clearly lay that out for them so that they can go to their management and say, this is why we need what we what we need. And also a very strong voice um, f- that understands the IT and quality side to be able to have those effective um counterfactual, you know, arguments with, with QA, right? Like, so a couple of weeks ago, I was talking with a customer um, and doing an assessment with them and their um, quality, you know, folk were saying something to the effect, well, I need documented evidence. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that statement alone really puts mid-managers at a, at a, at a confrontational point between their QA and they don't know how to respond to that. Well, just because it's not in a PDF document that's in a file repository that happens to be electronic doesn't mean that it's not documented, right? Having requirements in JIRA and having tests in QTest or ALM or wherever they are, that's documented. And um, it's really taking that, uh, that position of breaking down the false narratives and, and having someone strong enough to be able to, to counter those. I think you kind of answered some of this already, but what were you really in an ideal world, hoping to see more of or hear more of mm. here this week? That's a great question. Um, so, and this is funny. So, um, so we, you and I and the team talked the night before the, um, the session, and um, I told you I was ready to throw out my whole speech, right? And, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I went back and I, and I chatted with my husband, and he, uh, 
you know, he's been watching my career for forever. Um, he's been in, in the heart of most of the, these years in the last 10, 15 years. And he's like, are you still talking about like paperless documentation? And I'm like, yep. He goes, wow. You know, and, and I'm like, and I want to throw out my speech. And he's like, you want to be a Jerry Maguire? And I'm like, what? I'm like, what are you talking about? And, um, and he's like, oh, you have to go back and watch like the first scene of Jerry Maguire. And I'm like, oh my God. So I did that yesterday afternoon and I watched it. And I was like, that is exactly how I feel. Like we're, no one's willing to say what's, what's on their mind. And mm -hmm. that's really frustrating to me. It's frustrating to me because I pretty much unapologetically say what's on my mind almost mm -hmm. all the time. And what's not in the rooms in these big conferences are those frank, candid, candor conversations. Um, and how do we have more of those? Yeah, I, I find myself being guilty of that myself, to be honest, right? So in writing collateral or whether it's blogs or into a data sheet or something for a presentation, I'll write something one way to start, read through it and feel like I should maybe soften that or, you know, smooth the edges out yeah. on that a little bit. And maybe there is more call to be a, a little bit more direct, especially at this point, because you're right. It has been the same conversations. And yeah. we're not talking when we're talking about paperless validation, too. We're not always talking about doing it, how to refine your program. We're still talking about why you right. need to do it. Yeah. And that's shocking. Cause yeah. that means I'm tired of it. Frankly, yeah. I'm tired of talking about the same old thing. Like I'd like to talk about writing a good user story, mm -hmm. writing a good test. Like, because I don't think we've as an industry get to the beyond the, the very, very high levels and people are not doing the reading. They're not doing, um, taking in that knowledge and that's a disservice to everybody. Right. Um, so that's frustrating to me as a practitioner. Like I just really, I want folks to, I want to shake them up. And, um, so I hope to do that. Um, and I think most of the customers that I work with want that and that's why they hire us to do that. Um, and like having it be sustainable is the big thing, like how to have that sustained change for a long period of time. Cause I don't want to be there forever. I want to help and enable. Yeah. I don't want to be embedded in a corporation. That's why I'm a consultant. Yeah. Right. Um, but I, but we want to give you enough so that you can take it and go. Yeah. You know, one thing that I found sort of promising about the event, right. Was this was one of the first events that I attended where there was a large student presence. Mm -hmm. uh, and those students that were from large organizations, they'd gotten involved with programs where they were going to be going through a one or a two year program where, yeah, they were studying chemical engineering, mm -hmm. right? But the programs with these companies that they were getting hired by are having them exposed to over the course of two years, basically all areas of the business. So when they do get onboarded as a full-time employee, they have an understanding of not just what they do or what their major was or their sort of career focus is, but how all the other areas of the business are impacted by what they do and, and challenges mm -hmm. that other areas of the business have. So why I, I like that is one, it gets them enabled in a lot of different areas, mm -hmm. but two, sending them out to conferences like this at a young age and they hear someone like you talking or Liz talking, they s come into it with maybe a little bit more open mindset or what are the possibilities? They're not really entrenched in sort of the right. old school way of thinking because the problem with like the program that they're in, for example, at these companies, they could very much be indoctrinated into yep. the old way of doing things if that's who they're working with and yeah. being exposed with. And so coming to something like this, 
and they might just think they take that for gospel, right? right. Yeah. Then they come here and they hear that there's other ways to look at it, other things to look into. Yeah. And uh, so maybe they bring with them as they become the next generation more of uh, sort of the forward thinking yeah. mindset that's been lacking for a long time. And granted, it might be a couple of years before they're in a position to enact any kind of change, but right. I think it's good. So that's why it's important for companies like us mm -hmm. and other folks, even though this isn't necessarily 100% our audience at this type of conference, right? Right to make sure that we have a presence at these types of things to promote that kind of thought leadership mm -hmm. and, and forward thinking so that those kids are thinking that way when they come into the workforce. Yeah, they really do. And having um, mentors outside of the organizations that they're in, it's always great to have mentors within your organization, but mm -hmm. also see mentors outside um, of those organizations. The What's really encouraging to me about the young folk that were in the audience, one is they stood up and had questions, yes. which I thought was awesome, right? Um, that is really, really great. Um, and, you know, I've been wondering for a while, like, you know, because I stumbled upon this too, right? Like, this is not, I'm an educated chemist and developed chemical, you know, pharmaceutical ingredients, what I do now is nothing that I went to school for, mm -hmm. right? And we made it up as we went along. These folks actually have so much more IT and just technology just given where and how they grew up, yeah. right? Like they're so far advanced than I am, uh, you know, that I have so much to learn from them and it's helping just then guide that process. And so rather than being the top heavy, you know, quality folk and say, you can't do this, you can't do that. Um, a quality organizations need to be really open, be really willing to listen and to like trust the IT professionals and the young folk that are out there to change. And I think that's a real hard thing for, in particular, I know I'm hitting hard on the quality side, but I think it has to be the quality side that that lightens up. And mm -hmm. we've been saying that for a long time, but I, I think now is the time that they have to kind of, you know, rethink who they are. Given all of that, then, as we look at our 2022 conference schedule, presentation schedule, what is, uh, what does our theme need to be, That's right? Funny. What are we yeah. really hammering? So I was, I was thinking about that and I was also thinking about just where to go and, you know, um, the society, um, for quality assurance and the American society quality. Um, I actually think we need to take the message directly to the quality folks because I didn't see a lot of quality people here it, in, in the sessions that were streamlined for GAMP, mm -hmm. I did not see a lot of quality folk. And I see IT folk wanting and being proactive and wanting to hear what the FDA says and wanting to hear what other people are doing. I don't see quality people in the room. And that's concerning me. Mm. Well, definitely something to keep noted and think about as we go into uh, next year. Yep. So any other, what, well, actually, what are you hoping for out of like an ISPE next year then? Because I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of the same topics, a, a yeah. lot of the same things, right? But um, is there something that we can do to be more proactively involved with some of these types of organizations and events to make sure that we're helping shape things a little bit? Maybe? Yeah, that's a good um, question. So I've been, um, I was very inspired by the Women in Pharma um, mm -hmm. events here at, at ISPE. And I do, um, given that as one of my passions, I do want to figure out how, to, how can we um, participate more in some of those events because when I was looking around the room there, there were a lot of quality um, folk in the room. Okay. Um, and so it may be finding the right 
areas of ISPE to affect um, some of that change. Um, and then I also think, you know, we need to partner with um, with other organizations that are having similar messages, but we need to help them um, soften their message, perhaps. Take a more unified front with some of this yeah. stuff and have a more coherent, yeah. rather than sort of a well, scattered well, funny, pepper approach. So when I was in independent politics, <laughs> my husband will laugh, is um, so I was part of the Unified Independent Party, which is kind of a you know, when you say unified independent parties, oxymoron sort of thing. But that is what I think we need to do, right? Like Mm -hmm. I think we, there's, there's several of us in the community that are very passionate about this and have different strengths in each of the areas. And I think if we collectively get together, I think we could do a lot more. A good old fashioned coalition going, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And tools aside, really. And frankly, that's kind of, um, and and you know me, that's been my message all along. Like, I don't care what tool you use, but we need to do it better. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's a pretty good summary, unless you have any closing thoughts that you want to uh, end things on. No, it's a beautiful day in Boston. It is. uh, Boston was a great city. It was my first time here. I absolutely loved it. I had some time on Sunday to kind of wander around and scope it out. Yeah. Real clean, real beautiful, cool buildings. Um, yeah. I've never actually really heard the Boston accent in person before, so <laughs> I'm only used to seeing it on TV or movies, right? But You got the real thing. You got the real thing for the first time. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, well, thanks, Jason. All right, no, thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to Software Quality Today with Dora Gonzalez-Azevedo. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address, tx3services.com, to your friends and colleagues. And please feel free to leave us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. Also, be sure to check out our archive section on our website for previous episodes. You can also check us out on LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter at TX3 Services. This has been a TX3 Services production. Join us next time for another edition of Software Quality Today.